How many of you have ever heard of the guy Christopher Langan? Christopher Langan is an extremely uh, gifted individual. He has an IQ of 195. Now, to give you a little context to that, Einstein was about 150. I'm between 165 and 170, so that <laughs> minus uh, 84, I think. <laughs> I think the average IQ is between 100 and 110, somewhere like that. So 195, I mean, when you're 40 points higher than Einstein, you are off the charts. Young people, when he was in high school, he took a class in a foreign language of Spanish. He could take the textbook out a few, a five minutes before the class, skim over a couple of chapters and make an A just like that. He made a perfect score on his SAT. How many of you agree he's a gifted guy, a gifted person, extremely so? Well, this evening in 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to look at giftedness. Thank goodness we're not going to take any SATs or any IQ tests this evening. But we're going to look at, uh, as strange as it may sound, even a greater giftedness than being able to hit a ball uh, far are to make a perfect score on SAT. We're going to look at spiritual gifts tonight in 1 Corinthians 12. And here's the first question for you, which is a very important question. What are spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? Now, if you've been in church uh, very long, you have heard this topic mentioned or discussed, and, and you may wonder, uh, you know, what, what are they? In chapter 12, verse 1 through 6, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God, says Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now, go back to verse 1. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. The word ignorant literally means to misunderstand or to be mistaken about spiritual gifts. And the people in Corinth 2,000 years ago who were getting this letter, and interestingly enough, we're going to look next week at tongues and healings, those miraculous and sometimes very controversial gifts. In fact, Reggie Hanchi is going to handle rattlesnakes down front. Isn't that exciting? Right near the youth group. No, I'm just teasing. But... Uh, if he is, brother, I'll be in the balcony. That'll be your first sermon from the balcony. Spiritual gifts. They, they, had, they, they were really messed up on the concept of spiritual gifts. And, and my guess is tonight and 2,000 years ago, just because there's so much controversy. I mean, you could go to different churches, even in Ruston, the buckle of the Bible belt, and hear different thoughts on spiritual gifts. We know what a Christmas gift is, Right? We know what a birthday gift. And men, if you have any intelligence whatsoever, you young guys here, any intelligence, you will learn quickly what a Valentine's gift is. Amen, husbands? That's a smart thing. But what is a spiritual gift? Here's what a spiritual gift is. Let me say, first of all, what it's not. It's not just mere talent or natural ability. A spiritual gift, by definition, is a manifestation. That means that it's a visible thing that God implants in a person's life. It's a supernatural, free, gracious gift of God Almighty that he gives to a certain type of person. Uh, again, it says a manifestation. Again, that, that means something that is made known. In other words, God says, I want to give you abilities. 
I want to give you powers. I want to give, we might frame them as talents, but again, it's much more than just a talent. I want to give you something that is supernatural in its working, in its power, a gift that will be made known in the body of Christ. Now, Verse 2 and 3 have always stumped me while they were in this passage. Kyle, let's go back to those if we can. He talks about being ignorant of spiritual gifts, and then in verses 4 through the rest of the chapter, he talks about gifts. But 2 through th- two and 3 says, You know that when you were pagans, you were influenced, led astray. Therefore, I tell you, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. No one says, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. What has what this got to do with spiritual gifts? Well, very clearly, spiritual gifts and abilities are tied in 110% with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now, in this ancient culture, in, in that a lot of these, these Christians now were coming out of, to say Jesus was Lord was a very significant thing for two reasons. One, Lord meant king and master. And in the Roman Empire, where Corinth was a part of, the emperor, Caesar, Nero at this time was considered Lord. So to say Jesus is Lord was to challenge the emperor or the king. You see a little power in that? Also, these people coming out of Judaism, to say Jesus is Lord was to say he is the equivalent of God. The Septuagint, uh, and follow me on this, it was the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. Okay, you follow me? It's the Old Testament translated from Hebrew to Greek. It was probably Jesus' Bible, the Septuagint. Now, in the Septuagint, the Old Testament in Greek, when it talked about God the Father, it called him kuros, which is Lord. And so to say Jesus is Lord is to say Jesus is not only the king and the master and Nero is not, it's to say Jesus is God. Folks, in, in, for a Jewish person to say this was extremely profound. In fact, to, to, to be a member of a local synagogue, oftentimes you had to renounce Jesus Christ as Lord or you had to curse Jesus Christ, okay? So this is significant. What he's saying here is spiritual gifts are, are gifts that the Holy Spirit freely gives and endows you and me with, Christ followers, we'll see more of that in a moment, and it's all tied in with Jesus Christ. There's no, a person may have great natural abilities or whatever apart, but, but spiritual gifts come from Jesus Christ slash God slash the Holy Spirit. You understand that? Okay, that's what they are. Now, who has gifts? Who has spiritual gifts? Let me tell you something great. Every Christian has at least one. If you're a Christ follower tonight, you have a spiritual gift. I believe most Christians have more than one. If you're not a Christian tonight, you can receive the Holy Spirit and receive a, a, a spiritual gift and some ice cream before you leave here tonight. That's a great deal, isn't it? All for free. All for free. Verse 7 through 11. Now, to each one, did you get that? To each one, the manifestation of the, of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Verse 10, to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one 
just as he determines. It's interesting. In verse 11 and in verse 6 where it talks about the working of God in these things. All of these are the work of one and the same Lord. That word work there literally means supernatural energy. How many of you want a superpower? You do. You'd like a superpower. I read this this week. I thought this was good. Interesting, this was adults. This was not children or teenagers. Adults were asked, if you could have a supernatural power, what would it be? 28% said reading minds. How many of you would like that? Smart ones are shaking their head no. But yeah, I agree. To fly, now that'd be cool, wouldn't it? 15% said that. I want to go to Monroe. I'll be there in about five minutes. I'll meet y'all there. I'm flying. To be invisible, 11%. Would that be cool? Yes, it really, think about it, think about it. To possess supernatural strength, wouldn't that be great? I'll bench press about 900 pounds before I go home tonight. To walk through walls. Now, if you were invisible and you could walk through walls, that'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Parents, think of how you could get your kids in trouble all the time if you had some of those abilities. What God says here is you have... If you have the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, you have supernatural abilities. Abilities empowered and given to you by God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Folks, I want to tell you, there's very few places in life we play on level ground. You, you play chess with Christopher Langan, you're going to lose. You know why? Because he's just a whole lot smarter than you. Several years ago, scientists studying athletes who were very successful said that their ACE gene is longer. Ones that can run faster, can jump higher, are more agile, have a natural genetic disposition towards that that some of us don't have. That's not fair, is it? But that's life, isn't it? You can boo-hoo all you want, but that's life. But here's some great news, folks. You've got a spiritual gift if you're a Christ follower. You may never dunk a basketball or throw a baseball 100 miles an hour. You may never score more than 120 or 109 on your IQ test. But if you're a Christ follower, you have a gift given by God, a supernatural gift given by God that you can use to help change the world. Isn't that awesome? I think that's just a tremendous thing. Now, here's the third question we need to ask. What are these gifts for? See, this was a big problem in Corinth. What are the gifts for? In Corinth, they said they were to brag about. They were for self-glorification. They were power. I have certain gifts. I'm more powerful than you, correct? They were causing division. Guys, no, 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 no. Look what he says in verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the, read that with me, the common good. The word good there in your Bibles means what's profitable and beneficial. Now I want you to get a hold of this. God has given you a gift. Some of you got it buried. You don't even know what it is. We're going, we, want to, we want to help you find it. You're not using it. You've got gifts. You're not using them. Some of us misuse them. But God gave you a gift to glorify Jesus Christ, to make your local church better, and to touch and bless the world in the name of Jesus Christ. He gave you a gift to bring profit to His name and to His cause. Isn't that great? What are spiritual gifts for young people? 
always remember this, man, they make everybody else better. The church, the kingdom, and everybody around you when you're using your gifts. Now, here's the fourth question that we could spend a lot of time on, but we got ice cream waiting, right? Right? Mess with me. We'll stay in here a long time tonight. <laughs> we'll go by it. Through each gift individually in the Greek. Not that I can do that, but we'll give it a shot. How do you find your gift? How do you find your gift? Now, let me give you some thoughts on this. First place, look is in the Bible. Isn't that always a good starting point? Look in the Word of God. Now, let, let me tell you where, where you can find the gifts listed in Scripture. Obviously, 1 Corinthians 12 here. In Romans 12, there is a list of spiritual gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's a, a list of offices and gifts. And in 1 Peter 4, there is a list of gifts. Somewhere between 19 and 20 gifts, because some of them are, are mentioned repetitively, are listed in Scripture. Now, listen, I think this is very, very important. And I, I don't think I'm just giving you my opinion on this. The spiritual gifts listed in the Bible is not exhaustive, but it's representative. Did you get that? Because it may be easy for you to look at your gift or look at these lists and say, you know what? God left me out. I believe it's representative. It's not exhaustive. In other words, that there, there are things that God gives us and endows us with to bring glory to Him and to make our church better and to reach our world for Him that aren't listed in the Bible. Let me give you an example of two. Uh, you can find in the Old Testament the example of carpentry as being a spiritual gift. Have you ever thought of that? Carpentry is a spiritual gift? You know, in the Old Testament, Wayne, you can find music as a spiritual gift. You would have to really be gifted in the wrong direction not to think we were just blessed by spiritual gifts a few moments ago, correct? I mean, we were, absolutely. I'll give you two examples from my past. I had a man in one of my churches named Tim. Tim was a great carpenter and a great builder. He'd gone to college to be a cowboy rodeo, a rodeo cowboy. That's what he wanted to do. He, he didn't have a clue he could build anything. And he started helping some, uh, some contractors around sites and realized he had a tremendous ability, a natural ability, I believe a God-endowed ability, just to put things together. I'll tell you in a moment more how he's used that for the kingdom of God. I believe that was a gift from God. My very first church, I had a, a young man named Billy. Billy uh, could go to the piano tonight. He could hear a song, and he could sit down and play it. I had never in my life seen anybody like that. Where I grew up, it was classical. If you were going to play the piano, you had to take eight years of lessons from a mean piano teacher, Wayne. That's just how it was. And Billy could sit down, and he could play, he could play anything by ear. And he could just get up. He had a beautiful voice. He had never had any formal training. I, listen, I believe that is a spiritual gift. I believe that was a gift from God that God had given him. How many of you are familiar with the writer J.R.R.R.R.R. Tolkien? And the three R's or four R's or eight R's? right? J.R.R. Tolkien was a wonderful Christian man. Did you know that? And a great writer. And he said this. He believed with all his heart God had gifted him with creativity. Isn't that a neat thing to hear? So don't look at the glyphs in the Bible and, and, and say, well, I don't have any of those, so I must not have a spiritual gift. Anything that, that you can do 
that God's blessed you with, and I'm going to help you a little more in a moment, that makes your local church better, brings glory to Jesus Christ, helps lost people come to the kingdom, and grows up the saved, and brings love and service to other people, you know what? That's probably a gift from God, okay? How do you find your specific gifts? You, you look in your Bible. No doubt about it, you pray, I believe if you want to find your spiritual gift and you're really asking God, that's a prayer he's going to answer. You're praying for a Mercedes, I don't know if he'll answer that or not. If you're praying to find your spiritual gift, I believe he'll show you that. Here's another thing. Talk to sincere, mature, older Christians. Now, I want you to hear the whole thing, what I'm going to say here. Talk to older Christians who know you and love you and will be honest with you. How many of you know some, some people who are Christians who love you but wouldn't be honest with you. I don't mean they're not going to lie. They're just not going to tell you you look fat in that dress. Josh tells me that every day at work. That dress makes you look fat. Chris, don't wear that. And those are wonderful people, but they don't help you sometimes, do they? They don't always help you, okay? If you're going to find your gift, you need somebody that will be honest and say, you know what? I know that solo brought glory to God, but that was about it. You following me? Come on. How many of you ever been a member of a real small church? God is glorified with some of the singing, but that's about it. I'm sorry, but that's true. And Wayne's got to be able to be honest with people about that. There's, there's sometimes there's people that's teaching or preaching or whatever it may be. Uh, Vance and Cherry could tell you, I'm sure, a hundred stories of people who went on the mission field that they had to pat on the back and say, God bless you, but America needs you. <laughs> this is not the place for you. And it wasn't because those people were bad or ugly or mean. It's just because they weren't in their gifting. How do you find your gifts? You pray. You read your Bible. You talk to people who love you, know you, and who'll be honest with you. You go to Donna Lewis and you buy her book, Unique. Her book will help you find your spiritual gift. Rick Warren, the great pastor in California, he uses the acronym SHAPE to say, Here's, how do you find your spiritual gift? You take the word SHAPE and you, uh, the, the first word S is spiritual gift. And then you go to, what comes after S? H. It's your heart. What is your passion Is it building buildings? Is it singing songs? Is it working with children, working with kids? Is it administration? Is it it helping get things straightened out and organized? What is your passion? Maybe it's just washing dishes. What is your passion? And then after A is is your abilities. What, What can you naturally do? Now, again, every human list is limited, but look at your abilities. I mean, if you can get up, like my friend Billy, and you can sing and you can play the piano without any prior work or knowledge, you might have hit on your gift there, your personality. You know, every Christian should love people, right? Some of us are just not as good about showing that to other people, correct? We need to be uh, locked in a study uh, counting papers all day, right? Serving God that way. You know what I'm talking about? Some people need to be out in the middle of a park all afternoon, don't they? Your personality. And E is your experiences. What, what have you been through that God can use? Now, again, I think those are, even that is limited. Now, whether I have the gift of preaching or not is probably debatable with some of you. But I can tell you this. I had no desire to be a public speaker. And when I took speech in college, it, it was no fun. It wasn't something I enjoyed. But I feel like this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. 
I never would have thought I loved to study. I loved to study. I didn't like studying high school or college until really I got to graduate school. But now I love to study, and I enjoy speaking. So it's finding your zone. It's finding your zone. L- listen to what some other people say about this that's real good. That's what Charles Stanley says. Charles Stanley said, as a young man, he realized that, that he was pretty good at administration. He just absolutely hated it. It was just brutally hard. But if you could lock him in a room all day with his Bible and commentaries and let him preach on Sunday, it was just natural. Don't ever confuse spiritual gifts with what's easy. See, some people think if it's your spiritual gift, you shouldn't have to study, prepare, uh, go to school or anything like that. that. That's baloney. You may have to work very hard to develop and use your gifts, but there's, it comes natural. Does that make sense? It, it's something that comes natural for you. I, I'll embarrass Teddy tonight. Teddy is a great writer. And, and it, what Teddy would tell you is he's gone to school for a long time. He works very hard at it. But it also, that's where he's in his groove is when he's writing. Writing's harder for me to do. And if you've read much of what I've written, you'll probably say, amen, we can tell it's harder for you to do. I've studied it. I've worked at it. It's just harder for me to do. One way you find your gift is you get into a zone. You get into a groove with it. And I think that's some important things to get a hold of. Frederick Buchner, a well-known preacher really 30 or 40 years ago, said, your spiritual gift is where you find your heart's gladness and, your, and the world's need. Did you get that? I would even expand that a little and say... You're finding your spiritual gift when you're doing something that's fulfilling a deep need in your heart. It's filling a need in your church. And it's filling a need in the lives of others. That's pretty on target. How do you know when you're, you're, you're finding your gifts? You try ten things. You teach youth. Then you never want to look at another youth the rest of your life. That's probably not your gift, correct? You teach senior adults, and you never want to go to Ryan's ever again after doing that for a few weeks. That may not be your gift, okay? But then you go sing in the choir, and man, you're just, you're just in your zone. You're just in your zone. Find out what meets the need in your heart. Find out what's meeting the need in your church. Find out what's meeting the need in the lives of other people, and you may be doing exactly what God's called you to do. And I want to give you one last challenge. Use your gifts. Verse 7. Each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given to be put on a trophy shelf to brag about, to wear on your letterman's jacket, I am gifted to teach. No. Verse 12, he talks about the body, the Christ, the body of Christ is a unit. Made up of many parts. Though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. The man I mentioned earlier, Christopher Langan, here's what's a tragedy. Guy's got an IQ of 195, never graduated from college. Went to college, felt like he was smarter than his professors. None of you professors or teachers have ever experienced that, but those people do exist. And he's floundered around most of his life just being smarter than everybody else not using the great gifts that God has given him. I mentioned that ACE gene of athletes earlier. You know what researchers went on to say? That only benefits the athlete when they work hard and develop themselves. You can have a lot of athletic gifting from God and never do anything with it. 
about 20 years ago, a famous preacher in Dallas resigned in the middle of a kind of a scandal. He stopped preaching for a while, and I remember what he said. He said, there comes a time when you need to rest your gifts. And I can remember as a young man saying, he's wrong. Folks, God did not give you a spiritual gift to put on the shelf and look at. There may be a time when you need to take a few weeks off and you may need to take a break. You may need a sabbatical, but God gave you gifts to use. Christians, we spend way too much time bragging about what we used to do for God. Or we want to join a church where we don't have to do anything for God. Folks, here's what I found. In a church that runs 20 or runs 750 like ours, the field is always great and the workers are few. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter what size the church is, you always need more and more people. God did not give you a gift to contemplate, to polish, to brag about. He gave you a gift to use. He gave you a gift to use. Many churches are operating on one ear and four toes. The church is a body. This ear got mad at the preacher, so it's not going to work anymore. Three toes got mad at Wayne, so they've quit. Can you imagine what happens to your body when you do that? You shut down. I mentioned a guy in a previous church gifted with the ability of carpentry. There's no telling how much money he saved that church through the years. By working, by planning, by showing them what could be done, how things could be done better, they could be done right. I'm sure he made some money, and he should have. But boy, did he bless that church. He blessed that church just as much as the preachers and the singers did. And I was one of the preachers, and I can say that. That young man, Billy, who could sing, I'm sure there's a lot of people I don't know who could get up and play a piano without ever listening. Maybe there's not, but, but there's more than just him. But you know what? He used the gifts God gave him. He used them. He didn't gripe. He didn't complain. He found his spot. He jumped in there, and he used them. You know, we love spectator sports, don't we? I do. I love watching football. Football starts in about a month and a half, and it'll be on at our house. Friday, well, Friday will be at a game, and Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Thursday, it'll be on the TV. Amen. And, you know, and that's awesome. And you women, you, maybe you don't like football, but you like House Moms of Dubach or whatever show that is. That <laughs> you love spectator sports. <laughs> I understand. May I challenge you tonight and say the church of Jesus Christ is not a spectator sport? Sure, if you're not a Christian, you need to, you need to give your life to Christ and you need to slowly get involved. Maybe you're just coming back around. That's awesome. But we need to get you involved. It's not a spectator sport. You you need to step up and you need to start using your gift. I want to quote Charles Stanley again. Charles Stanley said, four things happen when Christians don't use their gifts. Listen to this. One, you rob your body. You rob the body of Christ. Well, I've served. I've done this. I'm old. I'm young. I'm busy. You rob the body of Christ when you don't serve. Secondly, you cause other people to have to carry your burdens. How many of you ever feel like you're carrying a lot? Some of you do. Partially because other people aren't helping. Here's the third thing, and this is, now Charles Stanley said this, not me, so don't be mad at me. He said you're dead weight on the body. 
when a, when a part of the body stops working, it becomes, to some degree, a burden to the body, doesn't it? And the fourth thing he said I thought was so right on target, you're out of step with the Holy Spirit. You see, there is a, there's a movement, and it's probably not new. It's probably happened since Jesus' day where people say you don't need the local church. Man, that is, that is so out of line with the Bible. That is so out of line with the Bible. And, and when you say, I'm not going to serve, I'm just going to sit and watch, I'm not going to get involved, I'm gonna, uh, my gift is criticism or whatever, you are out of touch with the Holy Spirit. You're out of touch with the Holy Spirit. Kirby John Caldwell is a, a great preacher. Several years ago in Chicago, he made a, a great statement, in my opinion. He said, the two greatest days in a person's life are when they're born and when they realize why they were born. I want to modify that a little bit and give you three. I, I think it's obviously when you were born, it's a pretty important day in your history. When you were born again, it's the second most important. Uh, second first. And then when you finally realize why you were born and why you were born again, that becomes maybe the greatest, third greatest day in your life. When you realize why God's got you here. Friend, I want to tell you, if you're not a Christian, give your life to Christ tonight. We'll be down here. We'll help you with that. We want you to do that. If you're looking for a church home, we would love for you to join our church tonight. We would love to plug you in and get you serving. If you are a Christian, you're a member of our body, I, I want to challenge you tonight. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't get splinters in your backside. You say, well, I don't know what my gift is. Start calling your ministers. Bug us. We will try you in 50 different places until you can find a place where you're not going crazy or driving everybody else crazy. Maybe that's the way you find your gift. <laughs> but we, we want to use you in the right way. And God wants to use you. Let's stand. And as God leads you this evening, will you respond to him?